This podcast is brought to you by Absa Corporate and Investment Banking, sponsor of this year's virtual mining in Daba. When it comes to mining, Absa doesn't see borders, they see opportunities. Hello and welcome to this APSA Insights podcast, all about the mining in Daba. I'm Bruce Whitfield and today Shirley Weber, Head of Natural Resources and Energy at APSA Corporate and Investment Bank, joins me to reflect on a most unusual in Daba 2021. Usually January into February in any given year, Cape Town is awash with people hard hats and overalls. Well, they would be if they were allowed in Cape Town like that and not all dressed up like members of a 1970s pop group. But it is generally the bankers in pinstripe suits, people looking for deals. You can't get a decent restaurant, an uber black or a comfy bed because town is overtaken. This year, Shirley Weber, was it all virtual? Did it lose its magic? Bruce, I do think it was very different. This mining in Daba started last year, March. I think people would have felt a little bit more uncomfortable, but I think everyone had, you know, 10 to 12 months, you know, to settle themselves into a virtual world. But I do believe, you know, that the attendance, you know, at many sessions was actually phenomenal. Unlike, um, you know, a physical meeting where everyone would have gone into their own direction and do their own thing. I think people actually attended these sessions more. It doesn't really do enough to boost interest and investment potential of South Africa, though. South Africa really struggling for new exploration, lots dragging feet. And when it comes to policy and policy changes, the president criticized in Business Day for not talking up South Africa as a mining destination. South Africa, is it running the risk potentially of missing out on the next commodity super cycle? If you look at commodity prices over the last 12 months, it feels like we're very firmly in it. Bruce, if I can reflect over the last 12 months, the commodity prices that we've seen, most of the commodity prices have kept their own. You know, gold you've seen, you know, hoovering at a 2,000 ounce, dollar an ounce level, Um, platinum as well, copper, Um, I do think now going forward, there should be a little bit more emphasis, you know, on the energy minerals, you know, which is clearly the cobalts, the lithiums, the vanadiums, etc. So I think everyone would start getting a bit more involved in looking at those commodities, demand, supply, as well as the prices. It is interesting that you mentioned it because Mark Cudifani, the chief executive of Anglo-American, who's always massively outspoken on issues of mining and policy, the potential of mining, describing mining being absolutely critical and crucial to life on Earth. And we look at 21st century life, and if we don't have things like vanadium, we don't get long-life batteries in our cell phones, and the world would obviously come to an end. I would argue with Mark, though, that Yes, mining is absolutely critical to life on Earth and keeping us into the lifestyles to which we've become accustomed. But at the same time, we cannot have mining at any price, surely. Uh, Bruce, I agree with you. Um, Mining must definitely link up with sustainability going forward. And, you know, if I look at all the new laws, rules, guidelines, standards that have been put in place over the last 12 months, as well, if you look at the global tailing standard, you know, that came into effect for for tailing dams, etc., 
I think we'll have to do this differently. I believe that capital will only follow now where sustainability is very evident, you know, where it's transparent, the impact on economies, impact on society, as well as the impact on the environment. If those areas are very evident, I do think capital will flow. We can still do mining projects, etc. But we as bankers, there's an immense amount of you know, pressure that we are getting to make sure that we do responsible lending. You've got activists turning up at AGMs of banks asking very awkward questions about how many fossil fuel projects you've financed in the last 12 months, how much coal exploration you're financing. And it's causing bankers like yourself to respond in the same way a two-year-old might respond to a hot stove. You recoil very quickly so that your hand doesn't get burnt. Um, it's all very difficult um, questions, I think, that's being asked to, to financial institutions like ourselves. However, we must remember that we are still part of Africa. And Africa has got a diverse energy mix. And I do think because of who and where we are and all the African countries around us, we're actually in a very ideal um, position because of the natural gas that we're sitting with, which is definitely seen as greener um, than the traditional fossil fuels, as well as all the battery in um, minerals, uh, the energy minerals, you know, that's used for battery technologies and other greener alternatives, etc. If you if you combine all the African countries and all the various minerals, metals, um, LNGs developments that we're sitting with, we are actually in a very good position, um, you know, to answer those questions, to to give through a diverse energy mix. But it doesn't happen overnight. Everything takes time. And where we've sat with oil and coal, as the, with traditional coal-fired power plants, etc., it can't disappear overnight. It will remain. There will be water. There will be natural gas. There will be battery technologies. And it becomes, you know, at what point should some of those categories be more than the others? Just try and tell the Nigerian government, terribly sorry, you can't drill oil anymore. And that entire economy will just collapse overnight. So there are some fundamental economic issues. The activists have got a different view. They feel that the minerals that you refer to under the soil in Africa, that we need to do this energy transition sooner rather than later because of the devastating impact that fossil fuels are having. And it it really is a battle we're losing on a terrifying scale. Are we seeing an acceleration, for example, uh, as a result of of climate change? I can just concur with that, um, Bruce, in that Africa should get a diverse energy mix. And that's what we need to do. Even if there's fossil fuels out there and it's oil fields or gas fields, etc., there's ways in to maintain environmentally those type of fields as well. And as long as we can adhere as, as a financial institution, obviously ensuring that the corporate is doing what they have to do according to the equator principles, the IFC standards, you know, on our environmental and social sustainability. You know, there's things that we do need to check. And for the time being, the economies must continue. But can we please work toward making sure that all of those ESG guidelines that's out there that we start adhering to it. And everyone is talking about ESG just 
uh, on the environment, but it actually, it's a lot wider than that. There's things like poverty, unemployment, there's so many aspects to that ESG and it can't just become a tick box anymore and the most important part, the environment left behind, we'll have to start looking at things differently. I think it was Milton Friedman who said the business of business is doing business, but you can't do business in that way anymore, can you? We have to do it differently. Stakeholders, shareholders, everyone is looking at the entire chain of you know, having an ore body, taking it through a process and what happens to it at the end. I've made a comment the other day on the Paris Agreement, for example, you know, if we think about scope one, I think that's easy. We know we're selling to. And if you're taking it further, it becomes a lot more difficult to have control of, you know, where your product would end up with. So I do think there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of guidance to be given. But ultimately, if we could work towards just starting with a bit of reporting, you know, and it must be sustainable reporting, what do we do with our water? What do we do with the forest where the ore body is? What do we do, you know, with what materials are we using? Is it biodegradable? Are we, you know, are we recycling some of the metals? Because that also becomes important, making sure that all the extractions we do, that it's sustainable and it it doesn't just go for, let's do everything today and you know what, in five years there's nothing. Um, We can't do that now. It must be sustainable extraction within a lot of guidelines, which includes the environment, the economy, the society, etc. Even as recently as five years ago, I wonder how serious boards were about treating ESG issues. They were the soft issues, the warm and fuzzies. They were the nice-to-haves, and we know it was important, but somebody else would have to deal with the environment once we'd drilled our fossil fuels, for example, and suddenly it's actually been shifted way up the agenda. And I wonder just how important the change in management at the White House is in that respect. Donald Trump took the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Agreement and Joe Biden immediately on day one in the job took them straight back in on the first day in the presidency. Look, I think all governments, all countries, etc., everything will be very important in, you know, ensuring that they put stricter ESG policies down and corporates will have to adhere to those ESG policies. So, you know, talking about the White House and Biden, for example, I think in in Africa specifically, all the countries will start to do the same. Have that diverse energy mix, make sure that all bodies that they have in their countries, that they use that to the benefit, obviously, of economic growth, but also to the benefit of the environment. I think corporates will be definitely um, scrutinized now going forward, you know, with how they actually extract those robots. At the same time, though, if I'm a political leader in a commodity-producing country, in a dirty commodity-producing nation, for example, I'm going to take a look at anybody trying to impose Western standards on me and say, hold on a second, you've spent the last to 300 years building your economy off the back of fossil fuels. Now, we want to use our own resources and you telling us we can't. Surely, this is, this is a double standard. Um, I do think it's a, it's a double standard. And I don't think any country or any government in the African countries can actually afford to have that 
type of attitude towards the minerals that's sitting in their countries as well. It takes an enormous amount of capital to develop and sustain those type of mining operations, for example, Bruce. So by trying to attract investment and exploiting and not taking things like equator principles, the Paris Agreement, the tailings dam standards, the EU laws that's been put in place to make sure, you know, that um, we try and move energy, for example, more to renewables or to cleaner um, or greener type of. No government will actually get investments anymore going forward because um, because of the capex that's needed for, for those um, operations. Somehow we have to find a balance, I suppose, surely, in terms of utilizing ease of access, the, the resources into which the investment has flowed already. And then we can quietly try and wean ourselves off those. It, it's like somebody trying to wean themselves off sugar to have a healthier diet. It's a long and painful and very tempting process. You always want to go back, but it's a process that has got to happen. Otherwise, the, the patient risks the risk of diabetes and death. The planet seems to be in a similar position. I agree with you 100%. Um, I think there's many examples of that already happening. If you look at South Africa, you know, we've been traditionally very dependent on coal and coal-fired power plants, for example. You know, with the government's initiative bringing in renewables and big programs of renewables, you know, that at least is a very big start in the right direction. There are gas discoveries happening at the, the West Coast. So all of that will take time to get a bit more of a balanced portfolio of energy energy supply out in the market. And in Africa, it's, it's the same. LNG is happening in a very big way. I do believe countries where, where, where natural gas is present and where LNG projects are happening, for example, in Mozambique, that every government should ensure that they get access to the LNG that's coming from those type of projects to ensure that they can actually power their own economies as well. And there's many examples in Africa where it will happen, but it will take a time to get a more balance into a more positive energy mix. Shirley Weber, thank you very much indeed. Shirley is the head of natural resources and energy at APSA CIP. Expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. For more, visit cib.apsa.africa.